Welcome to Tuesday Night Live, and here we go again for another week, and I'll hand you over to Peter. How are you going, Peter? Thanks very much, Phoenix, and welcome everybody to another edition of Tuesday Night Live of the Big Footy Crowcast. Great to have everybody along tonight. Don't forget we're live and uh, interactive. Uh, dare I use that word and not sound like 5 A, but anyway, we, <laughs> Thanks, we are interactive. You can send a message to us. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. We're, we're happy to take uh, any input at all. And um, just great to, to have you along. And uh, we're looking forward to having a big show tonight. We've got our regular panellists for a Tuesday Night Live edition. We've got with us Nikki, Macca and Phoenix. How are we all, everybody? Very good, thanks. Yep. Good on this end. <laughs> great, great to have. I don't think they're any good at all, <laughs> Great to yep. have everybody along. Nikki, you sound much healthier than you did last week, so that's uh, that's good to hear. And, Macca, I know you've been under the weather as well, so good to have everybody here and healthy for a Tuesday night. Heaps to talk about. Just cold. And uh, maybe we'll, uh, I'll be professional this week and I will actually introduce our first segment of the evening, which is Nikki's News. Oh, shit, caught me on the hop. <laughs> 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 Bloody hell. <laughs> Hang on. That's what you get for being professional. I think it's much better when we're just a rabble, really. Oh, that was <laughs> any different. Profe- <laughs> I think when we try and be professional, things just don't quite work. Um, well, this is possibly going to be touched on a little bit later in a certain segment, but yeah, Luke Beveridge has proved himself to be quite a hypocrite once again. But I would be interested just to see how you guys think about this as to whether the club should have kept it in-house or is it something they should come out and say when there's a bit of a disagreement between players and the media start sniffing around within their own team and when a team has actually decided to put um, penalties in place um, against um, players, etc. So in this case, it was Tom Boyd and Zane Cordy who decided to get in a bit of a punch up because, well, they got a bit drunk and Zane said a few things. What I think a lot of Bulldogs players are talking about considering Tom Boyd's very large contract. So I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about that. Mm. I think it's a pretty easy one, really. I, I think uh, like something like that is always going to come out, and I think the most sensible thing is to uh, put it out there and just say that, that we, look, um, a couple of our boys um, uh, got into a little bit of a disagreement publicly, and uh, we don't approve of that. And uh, as a result, they're just going to ha- uh, get a bit of a penalty. And in other words, play it down a bit, and but put it out there by volunteering it. And, the only time you would keep it quiet is, is if you were 100% sure that it wasn't going to come out. I, th- I think that's spot on, Macker, and I actually think it's pretty arrogant um, in this day and age of the Bulldogs to, to have thought that it wasn't going to come out, and I thought it was particularly uh, arrogant of the Cockwomble himself to come out <laughs> in, in a press conference and start talking about you know, reasons why Boyd's not being selected and, and actually just, let, you know, let's call a spade a spade. He was just lying. Um, yeah. And and that really is what I think more than anything embarrassed the club and made him look like a tool um, was the fact that he just lied about it and 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 that is to me just you know breathtaking arrogance in this day and age when you know there's always every chance that something like that is going to be found out in the end even if it does take some time so well, just a, pretty pretty dumb and pretty poor media management. Not only that, but I mean the. They always put themselves up as uh, uh, very much a members club. You know, they've drawn on their members heaps to to keep the club afloat over the years. And I think, you know, when when you when your membership and your player base, uh, your fan base are going, why isn't Tommy Boyd getting picked? You know, I, th- I think the club actually owes it to their own members, let alone you know the rest of us, um, to be open and upfront with them. So, I mean, if the Crows did that, I'd I'd be a little bit annoyed at the club um, that they weren't being. Uh, up front about something. Uh, look, I, you know what, I, think, you know, I just think they're just a really irritating football club. Yeah, they are. Look, <laughs> and, yeah. so, and Beveridge is the most unlikable guy in football, I reckon. He's certainly up there, Macca. And the thing is that so much now, as you said with um, before about their members and they really wanted to be the member club, and fan engagement is such a huge thing for the AFL. 
So to try and keep things away from the fans and not be up front, I agree with Macca that to me, in terms of looking at it from a PR point of view, you want to get the story out first and you want to control the narrative, not have it break like it did, which then gave particular journalists who do have a beef with the club to have some nice little ammunition to have a go again. And well, I, I think that's just what's perpetrated it longer over the weekend. The the other thing too is that um, bloody hell, we've got someone posting in chat under Crowcast. That must be Scorpus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scorpus. <laughs> hey, Scorpus. So I, shouted, I, I did that without any hands. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Well done. <laughs> um, oh, what was going to Yeah, um, like this whole open-ended thing as well, I think they're just having a bit each way, really. I mean, how can you suspend someone indefinitely and then sort of have them back at a whim? It seems to me to be, I think they're they're pulling shit out their ass. to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, that's where it comes from. <laughs> well, the other the, kind of the big talking point over the weekend, um, a lot of it was around how we've had these three weeks with the buys and we've only had six games and they've been spread out because they've all been having the Thursday night games. And what it's meant is like on a Sunday, which traditionally has a couple of games on, we're now only having one. And I think people have just been a little bit frustrated because some of these games have not been good and you have no other alternative if you want to watch footy. That's all you've got. You can't change over to another game. Well, we've also had, I think there was a day last weekend, I, uh, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure there was a day where there was no free-to-wear footy on at all, and I reckon it was a Saturday. Um, and it was because, yep. you know, obviously Fox get um, free dibs to a couple of games every week. So I think it was last week. Um, I reckon you're right. Yeah, because Ooh. Channel 7 put the SNFL game on. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So have no free-to-wear AFL games on. On, on a weekend day is just it's just absolutely disastrous. I think I think it's a little bit it's a bit whingy by some people um, in respect of you know what what games are on and, and, and all the rest of it. I mean I I sat down and watched the Hawthorne Gold Coast game and I was like you ever have that experience where you go where you go to the movies and you're actually not really sure what the movie's going to be about or and, and you and because nobody's actually talked to you about it, you actually really enjoy the movie. That was a really good game of footy. And I don't know why people would be complaining about that. I mean, it was competitive, a lot of good yeah. highlights. Um, you know, Gold Coast were in it up until halfway through the last quarter. Hawthorne pulled away, which is probably a little bit predictable. But, you know, for three and a half quarters, it was a really good game. And so, you know, I think that there's probably, you know, you look at it in the fixture and, and, you, and you think, oh, Hawthorne, Gold Coast in Tasmania, they're not interested. If you'd actually sat down and watched it, it was, it was quite entertaining. Yeah, I did. I watched that game, and it was a good game to watch. And um, Gold Coast played a real game of, uh, of about three quarters, and uh, yeah, it was, as you said, it was very, very watchable. There are, you know, just sorry, digressing. They're all right, the Gold Coast. They will, they will torch uh, Brisbane this weekend, and they uh, have just. They were a pretty good side at the start of the year. They were decimated by injury, and um, it's just a shame they've only got one more game against a top eight top eight side. Uh, up there at Metricon. Um, otherwise, I think that they would be um, a really, really tricky proposition for any team going up there at the moment because they've got all their players back. Gaz is just starting to come into some really good form. Uh, well, sorry, when I want to say all their players back. Sorry, the uh, Swallow and, uh, and Amira uh, yeah, are still and gone. But, and Saad. But he, he's still to come back, I think, reasonably shortly. But other than that, they're, they've pretty much got a full deck and and, uh, so, and they're a different team and they've... They had that game against Hawthorne just to get themselves moving and then they look really good against St Kilda. And as I said, they'll torch Brisbane and um, they'll have a good second, you know, last last portion of the year. Yeah, agree with that, Peter. Yeah, see, I, I wasn't too bothered about it, but I thought it was quite a, a big discussion point that had been going on and people were trying to throw out some different options of ways to do it. And I think um, there were two suggestions well, it was the same suggestion from two different people on the board where virtually you'd have a game on just one game each night um, but with one day off during the week. That's just too hard in terms of, I mean, we can deal with a Thursday night game 
Um, but you've still got to work through the breaks in terms of the players and recovery, et cetera, to move it even like till Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. That in term, clubs just won't be up for that. Yeah, see, oh, I think Scorpus has just put on the chat that um, our game on Sunday last week, which is the only game of the week uh, uh, for the day on Sunday, uh, wasn't shown on free to wear in Melbourne. So, <laughs> I mean, that's that's diabolical. You can't have that. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. No, I was just going to say, Nicky. Look, I think you, you're absolutely right to raise it, and I've, you know, I've read and heard a bit as well that um, that there's been, you know, quite a bit of consternation about this uh, the buy setup. But I just think sometimes I don't know whether it's just, you know, we just seem obsessed with just bloody whinging about stuff, you know. And I, I just reckon that there's been, you know, I mean, Phoenix absolutely agree. Shouldn't be in a, a situation where we don't have free to wear coverage of games, but. Generally speaking, I thought that those, those games have been spaced out reasonably well. There's been, you know, plenty of decent games to watch if you know if you want to watch them, and all in the time slots that you would not. It, it just means that instead of you know, sort of three games on a Sunday, which you know who actually sits down and watches three or four games on a Sunday anyway, um, you know, you've got one. I don't, I don't know. I just reckon we, we yeah. just, hello we me. just whinge. That that uh, business of not having a game. On a Saturday, that really is caused by the AFL itself with its programming because um, they, they had the Thursday night, the Friday night, and from a South Australian point of view, if they'd had one of Port and one of uh, one of us playing on the on the Sunday, uh, then you'd have a game on the Saturday and you'd have a game on the Sunday. But they chose to put both Adelaide and Port Adelaide on the Sunday, which left. Yeah. And and as Seven's only got the right to four games, there's no, no there's no game left for the Saturday. And the reverse must hold for Victorian teams. Yeah, and the problem is that they do the fixture, and then Fox pick their game of the week or their couple of games a week that they um, that they want exclusive. So, you know, they they don't even do the fixture um, in conjunction with the media partners um, to try and work out who wants what game. So. Uh, it's it's uh, it must be incredibly difficult to do the fixture, but there's a few kinks to be ironed out. And I don't really like the buy being spread over three weeks. I reckon they could do it over two weeks. Yeah, that, that's yeah, agree my with that. only thing. Is agree with I, that. I think it needs to be two because that's what I, we, we I, had I last year. It was two, wasn't it? Yeah, two's enough. I think you're right, Phoenix. Two's enough. I agree. There you go. Message AFL. Listen to the Crowcast. We've right solved your problem. Go back to how it was. <laughs> <laughs> Any other bits other and pieces, co- Nikki? Well, the other talking point is the AFL's raised the whole thing again about a mid-season. Originally, it was a mid-season draft, and now they're talking about a mid-season trade period. And Jordan Lewis, I think, kind of hit the nail on the head tonight, was that if you're going to do something like that, because all of a sudden players are going to leave one team halfway through the season and go to another, the fitness staff, etc., are working hard in order to get players right, particularly for the end of the season. So to lose them halfway through, it's it just doesn't really work in terms of your team balance um, and it upsets everything like that. I, I just think the whole idea is a bit stupid. It's just, it's BS and it, it's BS on the back of what the AFL is obsessed with doing and, that, and that's trying to, uh, trying to imagine itself as, as an international sport where... You know, you get situations like, you know, soccer um, where they have transfer windows at, at different times and you know, you're talking about a game that has, you know, 20 different leagues, each league with, you know, another five divisions under, underneath that. And so people, you know, players can end up in, you know, different countries, in different leagues, in, you know, different divisions. Um, you know, same, you know, in the US, you've got, you know, different conferences and, you know, these are massive, you know, massive concern, massive international concerns in terms of their, you know, sporting organisations. And, you know, the AFL is just one competition. You've got this ridiculous notion of, you know, one player, um, you know, starting off the season with a particular club and then halfway through the season just jumping ship to it, you know, opposition, in the, you know, in the same, in yeah, the same fans, league. I don't know. I, I, it's conference. ridiculous. I reckon um, uh, the club, what the I'd clubs like won't to, cop it. What I'd like to do There's is your IP. Um, I, I don't mind the the mid season uh, mini draft for unregistered AFL players, um, but I reckon what they should do if they want to do that is actually reduce the the list um, down to I don't know mid to high thirties or something, 
um, and then allowed teams to actually pull players out of the state leagues on on a needs basis. So, say you got a long term injury to Sammy Jacobs and we didn't have a backup ruckman, you'd pull someone out of the SANFL and you'd give him say a six week contract or something, um, you know. And there was you know limits and conditions on all of that. But they could uh, doing a mid season draft with the current. Uh, list sizes means that you'd have to effectively delist someone mid-season. Um, so I reckon they should drop it down to 35 and allow, rather than a mid-season draft, just allow them to do temporary contracts to players out of the state leagues. Now, I'm opposed to either a, a trade or a draft because um, if you do your planning for the year at the beginning of the year, and well, in the, not, not even at the beginning of the year, you do it at the beginning of, uh, from the 1st of October onwards when you do the trading and the, and the draft. Um, and if you don't get that right and you haven't got reserves there to cover positions, well, I think that's your problem. And I don't see why you should get a second go at it. I mean, you, know, you take Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide delisted two young ruckmen at the end of last season. The fact that they haven't got a proper ruckman now, that's their problem. And I, don't, I can't see why they should be allowed then to have another crack to get it at Ruckman to improve their, their season. I just, you know, I think, as you said, the lists are pretty big. There's plenty of opportunity there to plan for contingencies, and that's what you should do. There's a pretty, there's a different angle to that, though, Macca, because you've got players on lists at the moment who are essentially just there for insurance. And from a player perspective, I don't know, I mean, I, I guess they get paid well and yada, yada, yada. Um, but... To me, I'd rather see the last five or six on an AFL list not actually be on an AFL list and be able to run around in the SANFL and be available, or state leagues in general, and be available to all clubs on a needs basis. They've probably got a far better chance of getting picked up, even on a temporary basis, um, and then perhaps string a couple of games together and put their hand up for um, for drafting the following season on, on a rookie list or something like that. But you've got a, a lot of players stagnating at the tail end of, a, of an AFL list that, and it actually kills their careers. You're suggesting, Phoenix, that, that we do away with the rookie list, perhaps? Uh, no, I just think the main list could be cut down so that you do have blokes that are either in your best 22 or around about the mark. So most teams will play a maximum of about 35 players in a season. So I don't really see how you need more than 35 players. And the reason they have it at the moment is for these contingencies, which is great for the club. And like you say, Mac, it, you know, it allows them to, to plan unless you're Port Adelaide. But it doesn't. Actually, I don't actually think it helps the careers of those last five or six players. And I think it would be much better to have a, have a condensed list and be able to trade in temporary players on a, on a needs basis. I think it would be better for the players. Yeah, but I think uh, Brisbane have already used thirty-eight. Yeah, yeah but that—that's a pretty. Um, That—that's that, actually a good example because thirty-eight, and I dare say Gold Coast would be close to that number as well. That—that's a horrendous number. But if you look at the Gold Coast Suns, because of the high number of injuries they've got, they've actually been decimated. Their season is over after about round five. So it, it affects their marketing, it affects their, particularly in that emerging market, it affects everything. It puts them behind the eight ball and financially it puts them behind the eight ball. Whereas if they had a list of 35 or 36, but then they lose two key defenders, to be able to dip into any of the state leagues and pull out ready-made players probably means that they're still in the hunt rather than having to play kids that just aren't ready yet. Well, I'd certainly prefer it to come from a state league than uh, to have trading in between clubs. Yeah, um, I, agree with yeah that. I agree with that. Because uh, I don't think that's acceptable. Um, but to do that, you would have to cut the list back, um, maybe two or three positions. And maybe, maybe you do have that where you, you cut your list back by two or three and you've got the right then to get two or three out of the state leagues. But I really don't want to see trading between the clubs because you're, also, you're passing on... Uh, intellectual property at the same time. Yeah, I agree with that. That's my issue with what you're suggesting, Phoenix, is that you're trying, You're saying, oh, we get these ready-made players in. Well, they're not going to be ready-made because they don't know your game plan. No, they but don't, physically they're ready. They, they won't. Yeah, physically they're ready, but that doesn't matter. 
when you've got an AFL team that relies on structures so heavily, which is the way the AFL is played now. Well, it, uh, put it this I way. I think if the, cl- the, clubs, the clubs would fight tooth and nail, no. If you're, if you're Port Adelaide at the moment, would you prefer Jackson Tregrove playing at centre-half back and having a decent ruckman who knows how to ruck actually rucking for you. Do you think Port would be better off with Trengove at centre-half back and a decent ruckman rather than... I mean, and yes, it's their own stupid fault, but as an example, I think... I get what you're saying about knowing structures and whatnot, but I think players need to be professional. If you look at the NFL, players will get drafted and they get handed a bloody encyclopedia of players that they've got to learn in seven minutes, and they do it. Players need to be able to come in yeah, no, no, no. and learn game structure. You can't structures. compare. You cannot compare an can. NFL game structure. No, you can't to an AFL one because they are only on field for a very, very small amount of time. And when plays are called in the NFL, it is that one play. That's it. There are no deviations. Yeah, but they've got to know. They've got to know a plethora of plays that could possibly be called. So they can't very well say, "Well, shit, yeah, I only still, got to page nine, so I didn't know. I don't know that play." Yeah, but they don't come in immediately. They're not drafted mid-season either. They're they're the start of the season. No, but they, they get don't come put in on mid-year a, either. They they get put on a ninety-man uh, preseason roster, and they, yeah, they're under pre-season. pressure to yeah, but they're under pressure to make a fifty-three-man list, and so they've got to hit the ground running. I think my point is that a. a a ruckman, for example, yeah, he might not know all the all the midfield players that they do, but he does know how to ruck. And if he's been rucking in the state league, he's physically able to do that. Whereas if you got a um, a young kid who is in, like, say for example, we got um, uh, what's his name? Riley O'Brien. No, no, no. The other kid we've got, the tall kid. Uh, O'Brien. Hunter. Hunter. Riley O'Brien. No, Hunter. Paul Hunter. Yeah. So if we he's got Hunter age. in. We, he he'd be he'd be just as you know lost as anyone else, but at least he knows how to ruck. I don't know. I, it's, then, it's a difficult. To one. me, to me, it, then it just comes down to teams need to plan better. And that's what I think. I and agree with you. I'm with you, Nikki. Well, certainly a controversial subject. We might just <laughs> kick along, and um, we, one we could argue about all night. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it would be interesting to see whether it comes in. I, I, for one, hope it doesn't. So, but anyway, um, I thought we might just have a bit of a look at um, Sunday's game. Um, was oh, really, really. I thought you were going to be. I thought you were going to be bloody professional tonight. Yeah, I am. I am. Well, I was, I was wait, just going to say. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's given you the clue, Phoenix. No complaining. Uh, I was going to say uh, we should have a look at, bit of look at last week's game. So <laughs> let's uh, let's throw in out a Phoenix and he's very special <laughs> and he's fat the dummy. Oh, look. oh, it's gold! It's gold. I'm gonna go have a lie down. Here we go. <laughs> Walker elects not to fly. Ball is fisted down over the head of Jeddah. Now they need support. Lose it. Lynch gets the hand pass away. The kick for goal is good for Douglas. Douglas gets the first goal in the opening minute and 10 seconds for the Adelaide Crows. Straight to Walker with his back to goal. Twist and turn a little. Had a second effort. It was good. Crouch will try and shape this one. There's Crows everywhere. Put that oh. under all sorts of pressure. And they falter. And McGovern was there to lick the lips and put it through. Atkins goes wide. Lynch can bounce his way to goal. One bounce. He can have a shot from 45. Drop punts on its way. And he gets the goal. He moved his body well, though. Now Sloan has an opportunity to hit up the skip. And Walker takes the mark. Eddie wants it deep. He wants it in the square. And what Eddie wants, Eddie gets. Eddie might leave it. It might sail through. Okay. Walker's bomb one. The sense is an opportunity to get moving before the Demons' defence can get set. Cameron can give it to Walker. Oh, He's got Betts. Betts is ready and waiting and nothing they can do about it now. Here comes Ed. He's held it for a long time. He got it eventually to oh, Jacobs. Oh, oh, oh. Somewhat balletically, Jacobs turns. And now they go up towards Eddie at the back. Oh. And here he goes. He'll ease into goal. He'll cruise into goal. And he'll kick another one. Douglas up. Couldn't take the footy. Gains some territory. And Walker took it. Sends them inside again. If it oh. gets through, it's good night. And it is good night. Take the 
back is Cameron. He sprints away. Through the middle he goes. Clever kick. Gee, that's a good kick. He's got Rory there. Sloan, little chip towards Eddie. Couldn't take the mark. He recovers. Recovers the quickest. And will kick the goal. Across the centre. Up towards the half-forward line. At the back was Walker. So too, McGovern gets the hand pass away. They may get another snap at goal. This is Lyons. And he's got the goal. Clock continues to tick. Crouch goes over the top. Sloan gives it away to Walker. Walker with oh, a look right. away hand pass. Beautifully done. This could be the sealer. And it is. Oh, it's beautiful work, Phoenix. I do actually really enjoy that as an intro. It's a bit of work there, and it is absolutely fantastic. So thanks for doing that. And it is a great way to entree into the, uh, the game on Sunday. And... Um, I say it was really nice. I had a little bit of zen about me on Sunday. I just never felt like even uh, 11 points in at half time. Never felt like we're in any kind of danger of losing that game. And I don't know. I just got a lot of confidence in that side at the moment. It was kind of funny because Phoenix and I, when we were talking about it on Sunday night, we were just talking about how frustrating it was and oh my god, it was bad and probably don't want to watch it. And then I afterwards, I actually sat down and I rewatched the last half, and I'm going, this is actually a really good game. We did actually play well. Yes, there were some um, some shocking errors, but there were shocking errors on both sides, and I actually took that to be quite a bit of pressure that was on in the game that was causing those kind of errors. Well, I found it a very, very enjoyable game to watch. I thought it was very good quality uh, all round, except for our effort in the second quarter where we weren't particularly good in that quarter. Um, but it was a... A good team effort by by our boys, plenty of contributors, and it was good to see Brad Crouch improving with another game underneath his belt. His disposal wasn't a hundred percent, but uh, it got better actually at the pointy end of the game when it really counted. Um, and of course, Matty just continues to play good football. Uh, I thought young Charlie Cameron he gave some really really exciting moments to watch. Um, Jacobs I thought had a tremendous duel with Gorn and. Uh, while he might have lost in the hit-out department, I thought he certainly won in the round-the-ground department. And Sloney, of course, very good game. Walker, very good game. Uh, Lever, possibly the worst game he's played, <laughs> even counting Poor from under nine, under nine upwards. I mean, I've never seen such a rotten, stinking game from a guy who's got so much ability. And, uh, Jake, what have you done, mate? You come on the show, you play very well your next game. And then you then you fall apart. You better come back on the show again, and uh, <laughs> uh, and I think Smith is not playing quite as well as he could either. But uh, and I thought McKay played quite a useful game as well. But overall, I thought we had a lot of contributors. The forward line, I haven't mentioned them too much individually, but if you look at who got the goals, who got the possessions, it was spread right around amongst the boys. And um, I really think that we're getting our act together very nicely, and I think we'll we'll tear Carlton apart this week. Yeah, JJ had a bit of a mare. We didn't really talk about that, Nikki, on uh, Sunday, but uh, had very hard well, hands he, on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, he's had, he's well, he he has been nominated for goal of the week. So towards the end of the game, his hands he got them right. Yeah. But yeah, they they were very kind of flat a little bit. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about whether it being the anniversary as to how that impacted on the way some people were playing not quite at what the standard of what we expect. And I think, as you and I both agreed, Phoenix, it's not something we're ever really going to know. And the club's not going to come out and say anything, whether yay or no, quite rightly in that respect. Um, but what did you think, Peter? Well, look, I just thought um, it was a good uh, even performance. Um, what really impresses me, and I think I, I put something, I posted up something before the game started, and that is what's impressed me all year is the ability to absorb, to reset, uh, and then to, to pull away. And I, I just have seen it too many times this year um, to have any cause for panic at all during that game on Sunday. And it was I, I can't remember ever being so calm watching a game of footy when we're 11 points down at half time. Excellent point. Excellent point. Absolutely. No, I had no thought in my head that that was going to be anything other than a win for us. Um, we just 
Um, full credit to Melbourne. I, I thought they played really, really well. It wasn't yeah, they did. a lot of people. A lot of people criticised the game for the yeah. standard, but I don't. This was this was not the game that we've had in the past against Melbourne, where they, you know, you can sort of say, well, they drag you down to their level with sort of defensive play. They were just pretty good, and and sometimes you have to accept that, you know, your team's playing a you know a good football side who are going to give a good account of themselves. And when they got on, and I've seen it a few times this year, in Melbourne, where they've got on a roll and they've kicked six, seven, eight goals in a quarter. Um, and I have seen them, you know, blow teams out of the water for a quarter. Uh, that's a bit of a nice bit of rhyming poetry there, isn't it? Blow teams <laughs> out of the water for a quarter. Um, oh, and you didn't know. They, and they've done it a few times and they did it to us. But I really, I think I, I mentioned at half time. I said that, you know, I really didn't think that they would be able to do, you know, kick eight goals in a quarter again. And the fact that they could do that and we were still only 11 points down. The problem that other teams have against us is that we just keep scoring. Yeah, that's and, right. And it's a real problem for other teams because they just, you know, they that they, they in that second quarter, Melbourne absolutely dominated us in every area of the ground. They still couldn't stop us scoring. Um, well, and, and that's they the problem teams have. Also, they couldn't kick a hundred points even even with that eight goal second quarter. And what did we kick? Two, three, something like that. Wasn't that much? Yeah, we kicked two, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it was two. We we still beat them to a hundred points, which is kind of the the KPI for for winning a game, and uh, so yeah, points are not only good at, at offensive options, uh, Pete, but also good defensive structures to be able to hold them after that eight goal burst. It's interesting yeah, to me that um, the last two games that we've uh, got over a hundred tackles in a game have both been against Melbourne. They must bring it out in us. And what is it with our last quarters lately? I mean, I think I read somewhere that that in the last three goals eight. Three goals eight in the last three games four. that we've yep. given up. Four games in the last four games. It's last been four three games. goals eight. I mean, we've just in been... the last quarters in the last you know, the last month. It's just been just been phenomenal. You think of that last quarter against West Coast, that last quarter against North Melbourne, where we should have won by a whole heap. I think we kicked four goals ten. Yeah, um, and then you know, so I, yeah, I just you know, I was just sort of sitting there having a cup of coffee and and um, just enjoying the game and just waiting for it to happen, really. Now, for me, I've mentioned this before, and we talked about it on Sunday night. Was it in in line with that? Is that I think that's what our game plan kind of is? Is that we're making teams run and chase us, and because of the way, they, as Phoenix just said, they can't stop us scoring, and a lot of that is fast break scoring. We break teams by the last quarter; they're quite tired. But there's also another interesting point to this, and it's something I asked Phoenix to kind of queue up a little something that the club um, put a little clip out from the Crow Show around interchanges, is that we're actually quite – we don't use as many interchanges up until three-quarter time as what our opponents actually are. So we've actually got more interchanges in hand for that last quarter. So it means we're getting our players fresher for that final run home. Want me to play it? I reckon we can play it. All right, we'll play it. They need to get their teammates off. They've had less rotations than the Eagles. In terms of game day, yeah, that's uh, organised chaos, really. Um, we have myself down there. Um, I'm wired up to up in the box, um, getting instructions from coaches. Um, we've also got one of our other staff up there who's sort of moving the board, telling me where players are. Players have a general idea of where they're going and, and what time is there to be coming, but as you know, a, a game of footy is pretty chaotic and, and things change. The aim is to try and keep speed on the game, um, getting our midfielders rotating as, as much as possible. Um, also our high half forwards, high half backs, you know, we can't neglect them and leave them out there for too long because if they have a player come on to them that's really fresh, um, you know, it's, it's really hard for them if they've been playing a lot of game time to play on a, a player who hasn't had as much game time and is probably a lot fresher than them. The coaches sort of before the game and, and in the week leading up to it, uh, the players know the general area where they're going to play, you know, midfield, forward, back, but there's a lot of crossover between that and, and a lot of times you need to sort of almost make things up on the, on the go. Players have multiple positions they can play, 
Someone like a David McKay can almost play four or five different positions. And so throughout a game, at any one stage, he might play all five of those positions. Picks up, plenty of time, and he snaps a goal. The only rotations are, it is a challenge uh, as much as that you can't waste them. Probably the biggest change has been that players spend longer on the bench now. So rather than it being, you know, 90 seconds or or two minutes, it's, it's sort of three to four, maybe even five minutes. Um, and, and that's really hard for the players. They want to get back out there and play. Back it comes, his land runs to 50. Low ball, is it accurate enough? The crowd will let you know. There's never ever a rule to say you must come off after you kick a goal. I think it's a bit of a thing that a player often gets told maybe one or two minutes before they kick the goal, hey, you've got to get off, you know, as soon as you can. And I reckon that might be a bit of motivation to just run that little bit harder or, or that kind of thing. So. When they come off after kicking a goal, that is 100% a fluke if you see it at Adelaide Football Club. So that's actually Jared Wallace, who's the performance analyst um, for the club. And I, when I watched that um, little clip, there were a couple of things out of it that stood out for me, um, particularly around the whipping boy on the board of David McKay, finding out there's about four, four or five different roles that he actually plays, whereas we kind of think, oh, he's only playing on the wing. Well, no, he's, he's obviously not. But that thing around the interchanges, I, to me it was really eye-opening. Well, yeah, I, I think the other thing that stood out a bit is the uh, five-minute, the player could be on the boundary line maybe up to somewhere between three, four, five minutes before they can get back on again. And you can often see... Uh, not just in our games, but even, even in other games, that uh, the, the players on the boundary is lo- looking rather frustrated because he can't get back onto the ground. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think that is one of the things I really have noticed this year. But that's good planning, as you said, Nicky, that, that when they come on in the last quarter, uh, we've got heaps of changes to keep our players' legs very, very fresh and which enables us to uh, keep running and making them chase our backsides. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was a very interesting little uh, piece of information, but it certainly fits in what, what we've been seeing as well. I reckon um, managing rotations has become a bit of an... Because it must be a bit of a squeeze now with, you know, the 80 or, or whatever it is now to... Um, 90. To sque- 90 to squeeze in. And I've noticed consistently on the in the stats time on ground, we have invariably um, the Crouch boys, usually Jared Lyons... Um, uh, under the uh, under the seventy uh, percent game time. So, when you consider there are only we got three midfielders um, usually per game in and around the seventy uh, percent of game time. Uh, they, they must be fresh come the end of the game. Oh, look, it's definitely an art. Look, I, I can remember years and years ago, back in the day, I was team managing a junior SNFL team, and um, there were two interchanges, and I was on the I was the interchange steward as well as team manager. And that, for me, almost melted my brain on any given Saturday. And there was two interchanges in a junior team. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can imagine. Oh, I wouldn't like to do it at all. Absolutely horrendous. I, I think, look, I think, though, you know, um, what also I think showed up is when I when I looked at that game on on Saturday, I thought on Sunday, you know, before the game, I thought, you know, in any particular given a game, the way that our functions, we only need to have an ascendancy for around about 10 to 15 minutes. And and in that time, and it happened in the third quarter, and in that time we just, you know, really, really put the foot down and, put, and pull away. And when we do get that, that ascendancy, you can be guaranteed that we'll score five, six, seven goals. Um, and it, it's just brutally swift and um, just, just takes the air out of the ball, I think. Well, the key will be to be able to do it against the good teams like Hawthorne. Um, and Geelong, the, the season teams that are also very adept at uh, killing momentum. Um, you know, whether, whether a Hawthorne would allow us to kick four goals in the first five minutes of a third quarter, um, you know, is probably arguable. So, I mean, you're right, Peter, it's a definite quality. Um, you'd like a more even uh, performance. across, And our second quarters uh, over the last month or so haven't been all that flash, but... Uh, if we can pull it off against a top four or top eight team, then uh, you know you, you start seeing it as a real strength. And we did do it against North Melbourne, obviously. 
Yeah, on the money, Phoenix, and I reckon that uh, the other thing that Peter mentioned before was our ability to, um, if we've been caned in a quarter by one of these teams, is to come from a bouncing back at them in the next quarter. In other words, as he said, reset and go hard again. And just as you were talking about that, um, we we really have to be able to prove that against the very, very good teams. And uh, one example may well be when we play Geelong down at that uh, whatever that stadium's called these days, Simmons or Shell or somebody. Um, I, think it's, I think it's called Amway Stadium now or something, isn't it? <laughs> ah, yeah. yeah, it's a pyramid scheme. Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when we play there, I think that's uh, hopefully, if we ever do get in a position where Geelong do get a, the upper hand maybe for a quarter or so, that we do have the ability to bounce back and get back on top. And that that's the, the teams that can do that, they win flags. Very true, Marco. Those early games where we lost because we couldn't stop the momentum of Hawthorne, the Bulldogs, um, even though we played crap, we were still in the game up until 10 minutes to go or whatever in the last quarter against Geelong. How much do you think that's actually helped us in going, okay, that's what they're doing, now we're going to implement it maybe? I think there's no doubt that there was a change um, after the Geelong game, you know, we seem to have um, certainly um, t- you know, taken a lot from that first part of the season where we played, you know, those, those top sides. So, yeah, I, I absolutely agree, Nikki. I think we've taken from that. And um, and certainly, you know, we, we've, met, you know, man- or Pike has managed to manufacture a way that we can, you know, we can absorb um, and not let that um have us deviate from our game plan and what, what we need to do to uh, to get ourselves back into it. Yeah, I think we've got more composure now and probably a better understanding of the game plan that we did early <laughs> in the season. Um, so, As you say, word. Yeah, yeah I, wrote, I wrote it down. Um, you know, I, I don't think if we find ourselves in the, in the same position against Hawthorne, I don't think we lose from that position again. I, I think we're, we're better organised now uh, and probably a little bit more comfortable uh, with what Pike has implemented. So um, I think that plays a big part too. Yeah, we, yeah I think you're right. Um, uh, we really should not have lost the game against Hawthorne either. That was just a couple of silly errors. But um, the ability to uh, yeah, not even get the opportunity to reset at a, at a break, but even to reset during a quarter, I think is probably one of the most difficult things to do. But if you can do that, then that's when you set yourself apart from the rest. All right, well, uh, it was certainly a terrific performance and uh, kept us um, on a nice little roll and got us up to fifth spot. So uh, plenty to look forward to. So I think uh, probably now without further ado, we might, uh, folks, go for a little bit of a cock womble. What do you think? <laughs> are, we allowed, are we allowed to have multiple winners of the same bloke? Isn't it? <laughs> I like that song. Yeah, very. <laughs> and I thought we were beautifully in sync there too, Phoenix, so that was good. <laughs> I, I, I saw the hand signals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Nikki. I get upset every time we kind of stop. Well, I kind of forgot in the poll to put in about the Tom Boyd and the Bulldogs bits and pieces. We'll leave them till the end. So we kind of had four. One of them was a bit of a, a giggle, and it did get the one vote, which I'm hoping it's from you, Peter, which was the bomb. Um, no, I, got, so I we'll gave him that out of support. It's so like brotherhood. It's, it's nice the bomb brotherhood. Yeah. Thanks, mate. <laughs> so two votes only went to Jake Lever for having an absolute stinger of a game and costing Phoenix and Game of Crows. Wow. Um, I still haven't recovered. Four, yeah, four votes. So we had very low voting but it did go up late, my apologies, uh, was for Keith Thomas and Koshy for giving us more to laugh about in ports in trying to say that they've got a, a top four list. When Robbo is laughing at you on AFL 360 and having a go at you, you've really become a bit of a cockwomble <laughs> and you've got things wrong. But 
the outstanding one is not the Bulldogs, but it is, of course, as Macca did refer to him, the most punchable face in the AFL. Now, we don't condone violence, and please don't go and do this. Hypothetically but that was punchable. Actually, yep. It's Luke Beveridge for once again showing what a hypocrite he is with his double standards and the fact that his explanation was why they didn't want it to get out was, was if one of his kids are misbehaving, he's not going to go and tell his neighbours what they did before assigning the punishment. He's a fruit Honey, they're not your kids. They're athletes under your charge. They're very highly paid athletes, one in particular. And, um, yeah, I'm sorry. The people whose money goes into your club that allows you to pay those salaries deserves to know what happened. So I think it's going to be pretty damn unanimous. It's Luke Beveridge once again. A well-deserved award, yes, definitely. I'm just going to put my hand up just for a moment and um, just wanting to nominate a a chief executive who I think over the last probably two or three weeks has been a bit of a cockwomble, and that is Keith Thomas. Now, I think that, that, look, as much as, you know, anybody that knows me knows my passionate, vehement hatred for Port Adelaide and anything put out it. But you have to admire and respect the fact that, you know, KT seems to have done a very, very good job there and always comes across very well um, and um, uh, seems to be, you know, respected within the industry and, and good on him. But I think for me, um, when he started off, first of all, with that whole $50,000 business and, and actually accepting that from the government um, on, on very, very dubious and spurious grounds, um, and then during the course of this week, piping up and saying that his team are a top four side. Uh, I just really think that um, through the combination of those two things, the KT, you're a bit of a cockwomble. Well, I think we could, yeah, we could always give him an, an honorary cockwomble award. He can be I the think, little cockwomble of the week. He can be the little one. Junior. Yeah, from, yeah, the junior one. He's a junior cockwomble. <laughs> I reckon KT's been drinking Koshy's bathwater. To be honest with you, like either that or we're, he's actually on our payroll and he's a he's a double agent <laughs> because bloody hell, but <laughs> I, I love the way they're diluting that whole Port Adelaide culture with their crap because uh, they're they're a shadow of their former self. That club. Yeah, look, See, they, they have sorry. to talk themselves up. Yeah, but Nicky, you know, once you, you can keep polishing it as much as you like, but it's still a turd, isn't it? Turd, yep. <laughs> yeah, and you really, yeah, it's not fun to polish those things. Um, <laughs> well, I can imagine. Why would you I do can it? imagine. <laughs> I actually saw a Mythbusters episode where they actually proved that you can polish a turd. <laughs> <laughs> those boys would do it. <laughs> I, I'm going to find it and play the audio next week because it actually it was true. They got turd and they did some shit to it, compressed it or something or other, and then they polished it. And then they polished it. And it looked like a billiard ball by the time they'd finished. It was great. Don't let KT hear it. Well, I I do agree that they are very – oh, there's, there's, there's some serious issues going on down at Port, Peter, and – and we're all looking from the outside. We know that that list is not top four. If you're top four – then you would have been in the top four. Um, as somebody did on the board, um, they looked at their injury list, which is what they're now trying to use as an excuse. If you ignore Ryder, their injury list is exactly the same length as ours. Oh, do we really um, need? Do we really need to have to go back to about halfway through 2014 and actually yeah. add up their wins and losses from midway through 2014? Because oh, it's, it's pretty horrendous. ugly reading. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. The the parallels between their years and and where they are now and our Sando years, they need to get rid of Hinkley because he's just turned into Sando again. 
Yeah, I reckon it's right, a cultural um, thing, though, that people seem to slip into. Like, KT was pretty impressive before he got to Port and in his first couple of years, but then he uh, now now he's uh, towing the company line, and it seems to be a cultural thing down there, I reckon. It's it's bigger than one individual. And that that's the problem. When your chairman of the board comes out very publicly and then those comments are repeated ad nauseum, you can't hang him out to dry. You've got to back him up for the sense of unity which they need in order to keep the fans coming through the gates because they need that money mm. and they don't want to go back to the tarps. He's, I think his hands, KT's hands, are very tied in yeah. that respect. Right, so let's uh, show, so who, have we decided on beverage with so an the honourable little, to KT? The little, the little, yep, the little junior honourable cockwomble goes to Keith Thomas. <laughs> Can you be but an honourable cockwomble? <laughs> sounds like sounds like an oxymoron to me. <laughs> an honourable cockwomble, cockwombling numnut. But the massive one has to be Luke Beveridge once and for all again, and he's I probably think, going to take it out for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think we're Go engraving the uh, the annual award with Luke's name in it already, aren't we? Good on you, yeah. Luke. Yeah. yeah. Um, just before just before we move on. Very quick preview of Carlton before we have to uh, wrap it up for tonight. Um, just want a bit of a shout-out to PJ Crows, who's a, an excellent poster on our board, always comes up with uh, good good stuff. Sent me a message today just to let me know that he had some info that apparently in the uh, the Sandful on the weekend, um, one of our assistant coaches, Paul Thomas, who's normally defensive coach for our Sandful team, was actually given the reins to, uh, to be head coach uh, for uh, that particular game and came away with a good win, so... Good Ooh, to see that nice. the um, yeah, good to see that the there's a bit of professional development going on for the coaches down at the lower levels, um, and uh, they're getting a crack at um, at uh, doing some things like that. And good that that he had a win as well. So, PJ Crows, thanks for that information. Appreciate it. And uh, shout out to you. And always good to have people giving us information to use for the podcast. We really appreciate it. Have, have you just broken the journalistic tenet of not revealing your sources, Pete? <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's why we're not journalists. Do, do I need to edit this? Us. Do I need to edit that bit out? <laughs> no, that's we're, we're not yeah, journalists. We're not, we're not yeah, that's true. That's true. Stuff them. Let's um, reveal them all. On on that, Peter. Last year we actually we did that a couple of times, and that was something that Phil had implemented, um, and that he pushed through with Heath Uni, and, and Heath did that. I reckon that was about two or three times we actually had that through SNFL games. So uh, one stage, Joe Keith took the reins for a whole game. Um, so it's great to see that they're still doing that. But I have to say, Amy Sparkles on our little chat had an interesting point. Who? Which was, yeah, oh, we got shit. a new commenter. Amy Sparkles, that's yeah, a new commenter. Yeah. Uh, rank the other seven teams in order of who you want to play in the finals. Is that, so do we want to take, do we want to take that on notice and think about that? Nah. Yeah, we'll take we, it on notice, I think. Or, or we're going to go. I, I, no, it's all right. We're going to have a crack. I all forgot right, a bit. Yeah, give it a crack. Why not? I, I reckon uh, we don't want to play Hawthorne. We probably don't want to play Sydney. Um, and We can beat them. We don't want to play GWS at GWS. No, I'd play them away quite happily. I'd Would you? happily play West Coast. I'd happily play West no. Coast. Yeah, no, I'd play GWS when they're away. Oh yes, yeah. So, our home ground. Yeah. But um, my my two, my two are Hawthorne and Geelong. Uh, they they're the two that I prefer not to play Hawthorne because they're so experienced, and Geelong because they they're a pretty good side. Okay, Barty Magic needs to be. He's in trouble. <laughs> he said Brisbane. We said finalists. For me, the one that I want the one that I want to avoid is uh, Western Bulldogs at Etihad. Don't want to play that particular fixture under yeah. any circumstances. And and we don't fear North Melbourne, do we? Oh God, no. God, no. no, 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 no. Not, not no. North Melbourne, not West Coast Eagles. I don't, you know, I don't particularly fear GWS. I think that you know we showed that we can we can match up with them pretty well. In fact. We went to sleep in that game, you know. I mean, we were at one stage, weren't we? About we were over forty points up at one stage in the third quarter. Yeah, and went yeah. to sleep, um, and still won by 
I think we still won by four goals or something. But anyway, um, so I don't fear them as much. Um, Hawthorne, obviously, because they're Hawthorne. Um, I think Sydney were okay against. Um, but, yeah, I don't know why, but the Bulldogs just sort of worry me a little bit. Maybe it's just part of their general irritation that they seem to have. But just that, that concerns me. That fixture concerns me a little bit. And, of course, Geelong, um, strangely, just seem to be able to uh, play their best against good teams. So I'll be interested to see how we go against them down at Amway Stadium. But I, I reckon um, they, they're a bit of a problem as well. But, yeah, Western Bulldogs are idiot for me. I really want to play Geelong in the finals because I want to beat them and, and yeah, eliminate there is that. them. there is that to it. See, I, I like playing the Bulldogs in the finals because it's ended so well every time <laughs> so far. Well, history and says they, it. And they just get the shits up. Yeah, well, history says we'll beat them. I, I don't fear the Bulldogs in the final. Um, Particularly we'll, on the MCG. Well, on the MCG. I mean, I've got very happy memories of, you know, 97 and 98. Um, and the way they cry and squeal and afterwards, that, that's half the joy of it. I reckon we should have mid-season traded Brad Crouch to the Bullies just so he could have a chat with Matty Crouch coming into the finals and uh, just, per- <laughs> just perpetuate that whole inside job myth that uh, Luke likes to hang his hat on. Well, there's about to be an investigation. Oh, yeah. The AFL's got to look into this. We can't keep that in-house. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. Just... Uh... Just heading towards the weekend, does anybody have any serious doubts about um, Sunday? I'm, I'll actually be going over the game, so I'm looking forward to being there. I'll be hobnobbing in the MCC members, and I'll be mm, not oh, thinking yeah. about any of you. Um, well, say hi to my mum and dad. They'll be there. They'll be there. Okay, Although, I'll, I'll have Yeah, but a they're chat. in general admission. So it'll be yeah, – that, that should be nice. But, yeah, I, I really can't – just looking at, at the way that Carlton have played this year – very, very, very good defensive setup. Very good structures. Uh, done a really, really good job with them. They've only allowed a hundred points against them on four occasions, um, and so that's a really good performance from them. When you think of you know some of the teams they play, um, they've only scored over a hundred themselves twice. Um, that was against yeah. Geelong and Port Adelaide. So, I think you can see the kind of game that we're looking at, and I think despite how good. They have been defensively. I just can't see them um, holding us. And, and that's what, in, in terms of getting their wins, that's really what they've relied upon. They've relied upon really, really good defensive structure. Um, and I just can't see them holding us for any, you know, if, they'll hold us for periods, but I just can't see that it being enough to avoid, you know, a minimum, you know, f- f- sort of five, six goal loss. As long as they don't drag us down um, as they did Collingwood. The Collingwood... Uh, Carlton game was a shock Your at all. Your Collingwood aren't that good. I know, and that's why I think that, Nicky, um, I think you said they've only had 100 points kicked against what, four times, I think you said, Pete? This will yeah, make, four this, times. This will make five. We'll, we'll, we'll get our 100 Easily. points. And yeah. I, reckon, I reckon we'll win by 10. I think uh, Jacobs will have a day out in the ruck because uh, I saw Cruiser only had nine disposals and 16 hit-outs, and he's their main ruckman. Um the carriage, I think, is starting to tire. He's not getting as much of the ball as he did before. Bryce Gibbs had a good year, and they're, and they're probably two of their very best players are in the back lines, and that's Doherty and Simpson. But if you look at the... And Cripps is pretty good on the ball, but um, the rest of the players, they yes, they might be uh, giving all their all, but they're not quite good enough. And I, I'd be very disappointed if we didn't sort of win somewhere between the 8-10 to 10 goal mark and... Uh, I think anything less than that, we probably haven't done our job. Well, we're going to have to start winning a couple of these games by big margins because we need a bit of a percentage kick-up with uh, the log jam. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I actually um, can't are a bit hit and miss, and uh, I, I'm with you, Macker. I, I don't think they've got the class or anyone that can particularly get off the chain, uh, but I'd actually be surprised if we won by 10. I reckon a good solid 5-6 to six goal winner do me. But we need the percentage, and it's oh, about we do. time... We really poured it on, you know, because we have the ability to do that and um, it, it's no good doing it for two or three quarters. I want to see it done for four. Yeah, we need to put the foot to the throat. Yeah, hypothetically because we don't condone violence. Don't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we that, don't. My, my specials for... Sorry for the punters out there. My specials are, you know, Crows by margin and Gold Coast by margin. Those, both of those games, I think, will be fairly comfortable wins. 
I agree. Yeah. I think we've hit the end, Pete. Yeah. I think we, I think we have. Is there, is there any end music, Fina, or do yeah, you can have some end music if you like. <laughs> it's been it's been brilliant to have you everybody with us tonight. We love doing Tuesday Night Live; it's good fun. And um, thanks very much to Nikki Macca and Phoenix. Phoenix, thanks for all your technical work. As good always, night, it's been brilliant. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. See you guys. Bye.